Hello and welcome to Become an Educator, the podcast that aims to explore the secrets to great teaching in our classrooms. I'm Darren Leslie, and each week I discuss things that will hopefully make an impact in your school, with guests from classroom teachers to head teachers and everyone in between and beyond in the education sector. Today on the Becoming Educated podcast, I am joined by Barry Smith. Barry is a founding senior leader of Michaela Community School, the former head teacher of Great Yarmouth Charter Academy, and is currently regional director of Community Schools Trust in London. And today we unpack transforming school culture. We start off by asking Barry what is meant when he says, if a school is going to succeed, there are only two things that matter, improve teaching and improve pupil buy-in. I then asked Barry what really good behaviour is to him and how he went about changing it across a whole school like he did at Charter Academy. We then explore examples of preemptive behaviour strategies and what is meant by the term warm strict. I asked Barry how he managed to get staff buy-in and we explore how to build a culture of genuine mutual expect in a school, including what is meant by the acronym STEPS. We then explore how to make every second count in the classroom and I ask Barry to paint us a picture of what that looks like in practice, including the use of slant and other behaviours for attention. And then we unpack what is meant by chasing high frequency errors. I was absolutely blown away by Barry's passion and enthusiasm and he's just such an infectious character. I'm sure you'll be able to take a lot away from from um, what Barry says today. So get out your notepad and let's dive right in. Uh, Barry, thanks so much for joining me on the Becoming Educated podcast today. How are you? I'm very well, sir. How are you? Oh, very well. Absolutely smashing. Delighted to, to be able to have the opportunity to speak to you today. So, like I do with all my, my podcasts, Barry, um, just to ease us in gently, um, can you kick us off with um, sharing a little bit about you and your career in education today? Oh, you don't eat right. So, I started teaching in 1997. I was 29 when I started teaching. I had a proper job before that. Um, French and German teacher, really. I started off in South Wales. Took to teaching like duck to water. I just thought, it's a laugh. I can't believe I'm getting paid for this. It's a laugh. Um, but from the very beginning, and even from my PGC days, the orthodoxy of this is how this is good practice in MFL teaching, I wasn't sold. So I was always a bit of an iconoclast, always thinking, tell you what, there's got to be a better way. So I experimented from my very early days in, uh, in how you teach languages. Uh, so I did that until um, about ooh, 2004. Four, and then I went part-time slash uh, freelance trainer. So I did CPD across the country, lots of MFL teaching. So I've taught thousands of MFL teachers, been to hundreds of schools, lots of whole school inset, lots of stuff on behaviour. Um, tried to, all the myths and the fads and the stuff is very zeitgeist that we were told at the time, you had learning styles and all the rest of it. I'd be going around saying, no, 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 it's nonsense. So I was always trying to fight the good fight there. And again, myth-busting is how I think of it. Uh, 2014, I did that for a decade. Um, 2014, 
I was one of the founding SLT of uh, Michaela in Wembley. It went on to do great things. So from early 2014, uh, myself and a few others, uh, we were doing all the planning for that. And then we opened in September 2014. I was there for three years. And when I left there, I was going to be overseeing MFL across Inspiration Trust. So there's four schools there. And it was going to, because my method, lots, lots and lots of people had seen me teach languages at Michaela. Yeah. It was a bit of a, I will say so myself, a bit of a jewel in the crown. And so we'd often have, my lessons were scheduled just before lunch. We wanted people to see lunch. We wanted people to hear those kids speak French because they sounded amazing. <laughs> Fantastic accents, proverbs and idioms and expressions and past reasons, opinions, future subjunctive, stuff you're not supposed to do. Because could kids can't do that when they're in year seven. Of course they can and do anything you want them to do if you teach it well. So it became a bit of a, uh, an attraction there, pull the way we teach languages at Michaela. And of course, that was based upon what does I do? I've been teaching for 17 years before I came to Michaela. So that's really my sort of brainchild there. Um, so I joined Inspiration Trust, but really, even though I was supposed to be in charge of languages, but halfway through the holiday, uh, Rachel D'Souza, who's now the children's commissioner, said, listen, tell you what, would you like to take over this awful school? <laughs> um, it's had 10 heads in 10 years. It uh, hasn't had a good from Ofsted in, um, in a decade. Uh, and the results, um, I think it was five plus for English with 13%. It was just in a hell of a state. I said, great. I've never wanted to be a head teacher, but uh, I'll give it a go. Why not? Um, but let me be who I am. Let me do what I need to do with that school. If you're expect, I'm always very wary of. Um, sort of, I say a concept in in large organisations a bit a bit Russian doll. Yeah, you got to be smaller. You got to be smaller. You got to fit in. I know. I like to think differently, and it worked very well at Michaela. We thought differently. That's why it's a very successful school. It works very well in how I teach languages. It isn't with the orthodoxy, so that's why it's so powerful. And what we did a charter, we stripped everything back. We stripped everything back and thought, right, I'm always going to say this. I'm always going to say, listen, take the 80-20 rule. You get 80% of your results from 20% of your actions. So if you can identify those 20% of actions that have had the highest impact, you're on a winner. You're on a winner. You're saving energy. You're saving time. And you're really focusing where it counts. And so, so there you go. That's my potted history. And I will pause for breath on occasion. <laughs> Brilliant, no, thanks, thanks so much. And and I've also um, been able to see some of the videos of you teaching on uh, the Teach Like a Champion website that Doug Lamov took some some videos in, in the classroom. Yeah, he, he did. He just he, he, he said some lovely things. You know, he, he says he's a lovely blog, and he sort of did a sneaky little video at the back. Uh, it doesn't give much of a feel for it. Um, gives a little taste, and he, he always says, you know, the nicest compliment he gave me was, "Listen, every time I say a language teach a language lesson, I think bloody hell." I, he probably doesn't say bloody hell because he's not from Newcastle, but uh, he says, "I just think I wish my kids could have been in that classroom. I wish Barry Smith was uh, was their French teacher," uh, which was a lovely thing to say. Um, and again, you know, he repeatedly he said, "The more language teachers he sees, and the more lessons he sees, it goes right." There's a very different methodology going on there with Barry. That is the answer, and it you know. It builds massive confidence. We build from the written word. Uh, we link the written word with the spoken word. We run towards the high frequency errors. I know what kids find hard. So I run towards those errors. So therefore, they don't make those mistakes. So therefore, they feel incredibly accomplished. If you feel clever, if you feel accomplished, if you feel good, 
then you're on a winner, aren't you? Because the kids come back next lesson and thinking, I'm good at this. I, I, I want to try harder. I want to be good. The enthusiasm, the effort comes from that sense of accomplishment at the beginning. And as I always say, listen, it's, it's not that worry, but look, it's only 28, 20, 20, 20, I don't know my alphabet. It's only 26 letters. How hard can it be? And I just showed them the patterns of language. And languages are really logical. And that's what I showed them. Penny drops and they feel bright and they like it then. Brilliant, thank you. And you've unpicked some themes there that we'll return to later on. So thanks so much for, for sharing that and, and what an opportunity. Uh, what, no, sorry, what a lovely thing that, that Doug Lamov, who, who is um, a hero of many, many teachers uh, through his work, um, to say about you. So thank you. Uh, so we're going to unpick some of the um, thinking around what you said um, in terms of going to charter and, and changing that, that school culture. And, um, and Say charter again for me. Go and say it again. Charter. Oh, that's really good. good. <laughs> I've got a funny accent. Your accent's even stranger than mine. I think. I'm from I'm from the northeast of Scotland, Barry. So it's uh, usually when I'm I from say, the northeast of England. So you know, I've got, I've got to match up. Usually, when I say the word fire, it's a bit thingy because it's, it's it's different from that. Seems to come up quite a few times. But yeah. people, I remember when I first got to university, people used to like me to say Hawaii Five. <laughs> <laughs> But, and I used to always do for the kids. It doesn't work now because um, Big Brother's not so popular, but I used to always say to the kids, it's day 38 in the Big Brother house. And they used to love that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Thank every you. time I watch, who were, who were those two Geordie blokes on television? I got that Saturday night thing. Ant and Dick. That's right. Every time I see them, I think, bloody hell, I should have done that. I've wasted this. I've wasted this opportunity. Huge forehead. I could have done that, Joe. <laughs> we definitely love a, a, a good uh, a, a good accent in, in United Kingdom. So thank you so much. Um, so let's dig into um, the work at chat. And, and in my research, I read a beautiful article on the Teach Secondary website. And in that, you say that if a school is going to succeed, there are only two things that matter. Improve teaching and improve pupil buy-in. What does that mean in practice, Barry? Right. I'm going to say, oh, many, many moons ago, in fact, the reason I became a teacher was I read a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Great book. And in that, so I'd recommend that to anybody. Um, and in that book, he talks, about, he talks about circles of concern and circles of influence. There are things that you worry about, things that you're concerned about, that you don't necessarily have any influence over and there are things in your circle of influence, things you can do something about. But what, as a head teacher, or a head of department, or even a, a classroom teacher, you'll, you know, you've got a lot of authority there in that classroom, potentially. What can you influence? What can you change? I can change how teaching occurs. I can get the first 10 minutes right. I can get the last 10 minutes right. I can get, I always look at, I always say, I'm looking for learning return on time invested. So I'm looking, what is a waste of time? Strip that away, focus on the things that really count. And also because time is finite, we have to think about that as well, don't we? Because if mm -hmm. we think, right, there's only so much we can do. And when I'm doing that, what am I not doing? So there's that opportunity cost as well. So you improve the teaching by looking at learning return on time invested, getting the routines right. I mean, you can do this on a micro level in your own classroom, or you can do it departmental, or ideally you do it as a whole school. You get those routines right, you get the culture right, so there's a, a common language across the school. Um, that's how you can improve the teaching. Now, if you improve the teaching, what I said earlier, I said, you, you run towards those high frequency areas, the kids feel clever, the kids start to go, I'm good at maths, I'm good at English, I'm good at science. 
when they feel good at stuff, you've won them. You've won them. The hard work they've done, the battles won them. They come to your lesson feeling ready to learn and feeling capable of learning. And that's what you do with good teaching. So that's why teaching is so important. That's how you get kids by it. Because I'm not going to sing and dance for them. I'm not going to try and entertain them. Um, I, I think it's important that we're not deathly boring as well. But, you know, I'm not there. I'm not a kiddies entertainer. You can't expect anybody to be a kiddies entertainer. But I want a lesson that they leave after 60 minutes feeling accomplished. That's how you get kids buying. Now, if you want staff buying, you've got to give them something in return as well. So what do you give them? As a head teacher, you, you, you have their back. You get the behavior systems right. You, me personally, I'm in lessons constantly. I'm showing people how to teach more effectively. Can I just stop you there, miss? And I'll demonstrate how to do q and I'll demonstrate how to hand books out. I'll demonstrate how to get them in. I'll demonstrate how to get them out. I'll demonstrate how to be really vigilant so you can see when a kid is trying to hide in the, in the lesson. So I believe in, as a head teacher, you should be a head teacher. You should be really good at teaching. And you should know how to mentor, coach, and make others feel confident in themselves. Make them... Make them bigger versions of themselves is what I always say. Yes, I want you to be very much a, a charter teacher or a Mike Michaela teacher or where I am now, an H&S teacher. I want that to be incontrovertibly true and obvious. Yeah, yeah obviously, this is, the, this is the house style, but I need you to keep your personality as well. And I need teachers. You know what? We're humans, aren't we? We're building relationships with kids. We're building relationships with the teachers. So relationships are key. Making people feel worthy is the key. And, uh, and, and steady systems that work and represent a good return on time investors. So I'm going to jump on my questions a little bit about Barry, because you've mentioned that a little bit there about, about the teachers. And I think um, something that's really important about, because um, Charter is different from Michaela, because when you started at Michaela, you were starting afresh with, with teachers. Um, please correct me if, I, if I'm wrong. Whereas at Charter, you had teachers there that would have taught for 10, 15 years um, prior to your arrival. So how do you go about and getting staff buy-in so that they're, they're comfortable to, to become a, a, a Charter teacher, as you said there? I mean, the two schools are very different. I remember Michaela, uh, I was about... I was mid forties. Everyone else was pretty much mid twenties, uh, apart from Catherine. Uh, he was still a lot younger than me. She would want me to say that. Um, uh, whereas Charter, you know, I was the tenth head in ten years. They'd seen every initiative come through the door. Um, you know, you get to a point where you have so many broken promises, and you think, no, not again. Uh, well, because the fundamental problems were never fixed. Behavior was never fixed. So we fix behavior. You fix behavior for teachers, and it's like, whew, I can breathe. I'm not being, uh, sometimes literally, but certainly figuratively, a punching bag every day. Mm-hmm. Being abused, nobody should be abused. Nobody should be abused at work. So you save them. You save those teachers, and you save those kids that are being abused as well, and kids that aren't having an education. Get the behavior right. That's a, depends what you're walking into the school, obviously. Some schools, they just need to up a notch in terms of their teaching, in terms of behavior, in terms of their expectations. You can, you, can, you can really radically change a school or you can change it incrementally. We had to change that school radically. They saw an instant impact. So of course, when you see the behavior is good and the kids are doing as they sh- should, and you know, a lot of that was teaching teachers to be warm as well because teachers are scared um, of, of, of bad, badly behaved kids. They're scared very often of SLT support or lack of. Um, they're scared 
of um, parents that can be very vocal. It, it's a pretty dire state of affairs if you happen to go into that every day. There's so many, you know, I always think of these, there's so many teachers all over the country and on a Sunday night, they're thinking, oh, it's tomorrow. And none of us should feel like that on a Sunday night. So you get the behavior right. That was something I gave the teachers and, and they loved it. And so you, you win a lot of friends, don't you? We looked at workload. We looked at feedback. We looked at marking or class feedback. We, again, we're looking at preemptive teaching, aren't we? If you learn to teach preemptively, if you learn to, to teach, listen, I know what the high frequency errors are on this subject. If I go running towards them, the kids feel clever, the kids get a buzz, the big kids feel accomplished, the kids aren't negative in your classroom. That, that's an amazing gift to be able to give somebody. Um, there you go. So you've got, you've got behavior, you've got workload. They know I've got you, they know I've got their back. They know that I might go on a lesson, see how they're teaching, tweak and show them how to teach better, but I'm not going to be sending them snotty emails. Because, uh, you know, I think most of us are doing the best we know at the time. Now, there may be a better way to do stuff. So it's my job to show you a better way to do stuff. There you go. Right. Thank you so much. And I, li I like that idea about what you said there about um, most of us are trying to do the best we can, but it always brings me back yeah. to my Angela quote that, when we know better, do better. And it's kind of that kind of scenario. But you mentioned their behavior, Barry. Um, can I ask, what is really good behavior for you? And, and, and how do you change it across a whole school like at Charter? Well, I mean, we changed it at Charter and we established it at Michaela and now at HS, transform the behaviors, transform. I'm really looking forward to them coming back on Tuesday. But again, you know, we'll have to all of our game because. There is a, a behavior curriculum, if you like. We have to teach behavior. Kids need to know. Teachers need to know. Whatever happens in the outside world, you cross the threshold. And what we say now at Hackney New School is it's normal for new school. It's who we are to what we do. It, our values have to permeate everything. Every interaction conveys uh, a meaning, doesn't it? If, I, if I'm warm and friendly, if I'm smiley, if I ask you how you are, if I say, have a nice weekend, if I ask you, did you have a nice weekend? If I say, oh, your shoes are looking very nice, are they new? If I say, are they new glasses? Oh, nice haircut. I'm showing you I like you. I'm showing you you're important to me. So that is what I base my school culture on. That's what's important to me. Uh, I always say that my own. You know, a lot of people saw me teach at the kid, and there was a lot of banter and a lot of fun and a lot of humour. And I say, any school that, that I lead, I want it to be a reflection of really what my classroom would be, which is genuine mutual respect. Because I talk that about a lot. And I, I deliberately say genuine mutual respect. I see a lot of schools where the teachers are all chippy and smiley. Hello, Johnny. Hello, Johnny. And Johnny curls his lip. Um, and won't give good eye contact and, and won't answer back properly. His body language is rude, his facial expression is maybe all self-protection mechanisms. It may be because um, you, you, you don't want to seem like you're too keen in front of other kids. Well, there's something wrong with our school culture then, so I need to tackle that. But genuine mutual respect is, it's like I say to kids all the time, listen, I want us to have the most relaxed school in the country. The press love things like the strictest head in Britain. You know, there are loads. You know, Catherine obviously gets it all the time. I've had it in my time. Other people have had it. I'm not looking for the strictest school in Britain. I'm looking for the most relaxed school in Britain. What does that mean? Any adult should be able to go up to any kid. How are you doing, sir? You're like, oh, well, thanks, sir. How are you? Any kid should be able to. And the kid should be saying it first to us. Hiya, sir. Hiya, miss. How are you today? Have a nice weekend. That should be the norm. That's what, what lovely behavior looks like. I talk about first time every time as well. 
And what I say there is, ladies and gents, where your bosses, made up bones about it. But the kindest bosses you're ever going to have will be all your bosses, right? So if an adult says it, first time every time, let's do it, please. Because this is your place of work. We want you to come here. We want you to learn loads and go at the end of the day feeling really accomplished, fantastic. We want you to be able to get on the best college courses and the best university courses and the best jobs. And remember, we have done these exams thousands and thousands and thousands of times, right? So we've got thousands of grade nines. We're going to show you easy ways to be brilliant at this subject. So we're salesmen, aren't we? We're selling ourselves. We're selling our expertise. We're selling the subject to kids. What do I say to kids all the time? I say, listen, your teacher's words, they're gorgeous. You know, your teacher, they could work anywhere, but they choose to work with you because they see your potential. So there's a lot of that I'm working on in the future. They get the kids. It's an esprit de corps thing. It's, we're different. We're special. What do I say all the time? We're not ordinary. He wants to be normal. I don't want to be normal. Nobody's ever accused me of being normal. I don't want to be ordinary. I want us to be extraordinary. Just this week, you know, we've been, we've had the kids who, who have been coming into school throughout the, the shutdown and they were, they were lined up outside and they, and they, in their rows there, their columns, sorry. And the, the junior school across the way, all the parents were amazed because all of our kids, they were all blasting out Ozymandias and they blast out a bit of um, charge of the light brigade as you're standing in the street. And it just, it, I want energy in a school. I always say I want teachers to be bigger versions of themselves. Ideally a force in nature. We can't all be a force in nature, but we can all be bigger, friendlier, smilier versions of ourselves. And that's how you change school culture. You teach teachers to be, I would call it VVW. I want you to be very, very visible. I don't want you to be cellophane. I don't want you to be, I want you to be a high-vis teacher. I don't like those awful jackets, but I want you to be a high-vis teacher. I want people to know you're there. I want you to be visible. I want you to be vigilant. If you ask a kid to do something, if you ask him to fold his arm, if you ask him to put his hand up, if you ask him how he is, what's his body language like? What's his tone of voice like? What's his facial expression like? We've got to be vigilant. We're picking up on the small stuff. And also I want you to be, the W is warm. We're emanating warmth all the time. Doesn't mean to say we don't have rules. Doesn't mean to say we're going to pander to rudeness at all. But it does mean we're showing kids, hey, we're here, we care. We're your bosses, but we're very, very kind bosses. So I'll pause for breath. I love that uh, notion of we're the kindest bosses you'll, you'll ever have. And the, the hey, but well, you don't know, do you? You don't know until you go out in the real world and get bosses. And you go, oh, this boss is a, he's a, he's a bastard. Yeah, but I thought those teachers were really tough. No, the teachers were really nice. You just didn't know at the time. Brilliant. So th thank you for that. And, and it brings me to the, you've got, there's an acronym that um, I've heard, I've heard, I don't know if I've read it or if I've heard you, you say it because I've, I've watched that a few times on, I think it was on David Didow and Martin Robinson's podcast. Uh, talk to me about, sorry, I'll start that again. <laughs> the acronym of, of STEPS. So in building that jet culture of genuine mutual respect, can you speak to what STEPS means? And whatever I say, all these acronyms I use, and they're really handy. Again, that is the glue. That is the glue for the culture because it gives teachers, oh, this is what an HNS teacher does. This is, what, this is what it means to be a, a charter teacher. This is what it means to be a Michaela teacher. It gives you something to hold on to. It gives you a sense of direction, of compass. Steps. We say this. I often call the kids this. I expect them to call us this. I'll call it the charter, full stop. I used to call it Michaela, full stop. I now call it the HNS, full stop. It's just a little sign of respect and courtesy. And you know, a school should be built on genuine mutual respect and courtesy. I'll often call the kids Sermis, uh, often because I totally remember the names. Um, but uh, it's just a nice thing to do. 
and I expect them to call me soon. And, it, and if, if a kid doesn't, if I say, if I say, oh, sorry, sir, what's your name again? I say to you, sorry, sir, what's your name again? And you go, Darren. And I go, oh, Darren, can you try that again, please? Can I have a full stop at the end? I could have a shape answer as well. That means a full sentence. Uh, oh, my name is Darren. Try it again. My name is Darren, sir. Oh, thank you very much. Perfect. Just what I was looking for. That's an HNS answer. Now, if you're reluctant to use a full sentence, that's a red flag to me. If you're reluctant to call me sir, if you roll your eyes, kiss your teeth, sigh, I need to pick that up. So, sir and miss. We call people sir and miss. We always say thank you. Oh, I hand out some resources. Did you say thank you? Thank you very much, sir. I want it to become an automatic response. Uh, you know, when you're a kid, and your parents teach you this. Oh, some parents don't. But hopefully your parents have told you to say please and thank you. It isn't natural, but they teach you that. So in the school context, you have to teach kids to say please and thank you. Some kids have got it already. A lot of kids don't. Sir and miss, genuine mutual respect. Thank you. Excuse me. You're trying to get past somebody. You want some help? Excuse me. P is please. And again, I say this is the glue. The final lesson steps is you smile. It doesn't mean you're going around grinning at people insanely, right? Um, and neither does it mean these children are forced to smile. No. What does the S stand for? It means, look, when you meet people, are you warm? Are you friendly? Are you kind? Are you welcoming? That's what you should do. Don't go walking up with somebody with attitude and, 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 and aggression. That's not how you're going to win friends and influence people. Walk up to people and welcome them. When we get visitors to the school, go up to them and say, morning, miss, morning, sir. Welcome to Charter. Welcome to Happy New School. That's what we're teaching. That's what STEPS is. These are social niceties. These are social skills. Some kids have them already. Some kids have them naturally. Some kids have been expressly taught them by their parents. But we all need them. And so if that becomes the norm and every teacher is selling that and um, teaching that and living that and breathing that in every interaction, because every interaction, I said before, every interaction conveys a message and steps is a key to all of that. So there's your steps. And definitely and that comes across in many of the blogs and reports that I read of visitors to to the school and the first thing they comment on is the, the welcome they got for, from the young people. So that's definitely- Tell cool. you what the first thing they always comment on, how lovely the ladies on reception were, right? Because they were upbeat, they were friendly, they were relaxed. They didn't used to be, they didn't used to be, but now they were happy. You know, when we changed that school, we changed it so quickly. They were happy. They had kids at the school. They would tell the people on, you know, visitors and reception, they tell them about their own kids' experience, how it was in the bad old days and how it changed. Um, kids in the corridor, you know, the corridors were so orderly and so lovely and polite and single file, eyes front, shoulder against the wall. Thank you very much, sir. Say, morning, miss, morning, sir, morning, miss, morning, sir. Again, again, again. Back in the day, grandpa, we used to shake hands. The kids shaking hands, but a lovely firm handshake with the visitors. Welcome to Charter. Now, again, we started doing a lot of that pre-lockdown to um, at HNS, and we're, we can't shake hands at the moment, but, and we can't have visitors at the moment, but we will. And again, you'll see that, that thread that goes through the confidence of the kids. They love having visitors because then you can say to the kids, listen, you say to the teachers, why do you think we have so many visitors? Because you're special. What we do is special here. Not the school like this, you know. We're not ordinary. We're extraordinary. Again, it's salesmanship. I need them to feel something special, that they're part of something special, that they contribute to something special. So would these all be ideas um, of preemptive behaviour strategies? And then add on to that, can I ask you to speak to this idea? You've mentioned it so much, and, and, and I love it, this, this idea of, of warm, strict, but emphasising the warm part. 
you know, I mean, everything's preempted, isn't it? When you meet them at the door, when you meet them at thresholds, um, which is happening in your school now, loads of teachers out there, morning, morning, did you ask me how I am? And I'm pointing at the kids, little point, little finger point, and so they know, ah, that's the signal. They, they've got to ask us first. You're socialising them. That's preemptive behaviour strategy. Uh, did you have a nice weekend? Did you ask me if I had a nice weekend? Constantly, drip, 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 drip. As kid goes past, making sure they slow down, they turn, they give you a second eye contact, facial expression, tone of voice, body language. You're picking up on all of that. All of that is preemptive because they know if you say it, you mean it. I'm very, what do we say all the time? We say this all the time. If a kid's surly in any way, oh, excuse me, I'm very polite to you. You're very polite to me. It's who we are, it's what we do. They need to know that is the norm. So that's preemptive behavior. Um, there's lots and lots and lots and lots more I could want to go about that. Um, warm strict. It's funny, it's a str- I don't know if it was Doug Lamoff came up with the term. I don't know who came up with the term. Um, look, I keep saying this, but we're humans. How would you want somebody to treat your own kid? There you go. Do that. Then. Um, and what I'm going to say is I'd want somebody to treat uh, my own kid warmly, friendly, but to have rules, be very consistent, very clear, very unambiguous about the rules. I tell staff all the time, ABC, ambiguity breeds chaos. We have to be really clear about what we say, what we do. I talk about all of our instructions, all of our teaching should be precise and concise. Because kids get confused. And remember, I think uh, French is the centre of the universe. But no, because that kid has got maths and English and science and geography and history and so on and so forth. I'm just a little slither of his world. Mm-hmm. And as a classroom teacher, I can forget that. And it's confusing for kids. So that clarity of message is really, really important. Uh, well, Mr. is, you know, it's, it's walking down the corridors. Uh, never walking past somebody without greeting them. Uh, always, always looking at somebody when they're talking to you. You know, I say in meetings with staff, if people arrive late for meetings, I say, I don't arrive late for meetings. Um, I wouldn't want a kid to arrive late to a lesson. It's a sign of courtesy to arrive on time or early. Um, if somebody's talking to you in meetings, uh, can we get all our phones away, please? Because I would never look at my phone when you're talking to me. Uh, I would never sit and fiddle with my nails when you're talking to me. I would never look down when you're talking to me. I- I'm going to look at you because it's not very polite, is it? Mm-hmm. Steps. What's the opposite of steps? We don't call people sir, miss. We don't say thank you. We don't say excuse me. We don't say please. We grimace rather than smile. Everybody knows slam, dug them off, yeah? You sit up straight, you listen, you ask and answer questions, you never interrupt, you trap the teacher. What's the opposite? You sprawl across the desk. You're not listening. You're obviously not listening. You don't bother asking and answering questions. You, you've got contempt for that teacher. That teacher's working bloody hard for you. You do interrupt and you're not even looking at the teacher. So that's the opposite of uh, slam. I talk about shape, don't I? I want every answer to be a shape answer. I want full sentence every time. What's your name again, sir? My name's Darren, sir. Oh, thank you. That's a lovely shape answer. So the opposite of shape, you're not given a full answer. You're not given a full sentence. It's monosyllabic. It's a grunt. Maybe you've got your hand over your mouth. I can't really hear you. That's rude. Uh, you're mumbling. You're, you're not articulating. So the whole room can't hear you. You're wasting the time a bit, aren't you? You're not projecting. You're doing this very small voice. It's a sign of defiance, I think, very often. Mm-hmm. And you, you don't look at somebody when they talk to you. Wow, why, why would you do that? Why would you try and make people feel uncomfortable? I want people to feel comfortable. So they're the skills that we teach them.
Definitely coming back to that comfort and, and going back to that notion you mentioned earlier on about being the, the most relaxed school in the, in the country. I love that idea and, and kind of that feeling could be palp- palpable as a visitor as you walk to the school and you're being greeted with smiles and, and, and respect. And it's every adult and it's every kid. And that's what it should be. It should, you know, we shouldn't have a situation where there are some classes that you're frightened of. There are some children you're frightened of. There are some teachers... Yeah, some teachers are having a great time, fine, they can cut me out, their behaviour's not great in the school, but the teachers, he's got the wherewithal about him to, to sort out the behaviour for himself, he's a little island by himself, but there are other teachers going through hell every day. That shouldn't happen, because if the teachers are going through hell, you know there's some nice kids in that teacher's classes that aren't learning anything, mm-hmm. and that are frightened, or there are nice kids that may be okay in a classroom, but they're frightened of break time, or they're frightened at lunchtime, or they're frightened at the end of the day, or they're frightened about social media, or they're frightened about lesson changeovers in the corridor. No, we shouldn't have that. We shouldn't. So thanks so much for, for, for sharing that insight. We're now going to dive into to the classroom. You mentioned it briefly earlier on about going into the classroom and, and helping, the, helping the teachers, but I, I, another um, idea that I've, that I've seen a lot is you're keen to make every second count in the classroom. And with that, can you paint us a picture of what that looks like in, in practice? And including that, you mentioned slant earlier on, you mentioned, and you've mentioned other behaviours for attention. So what does that look like in the classroom and, and, and what's the role of the teacher here? Teaching teachers' routines, and we all have the same core routines. Yes, you develop it with your own personal pizzazz, your own bit of personality, of course you do. But we all need the same core routines. ABC, ambiguity breeds contempt. We've got the same core routines. There is no ambiguity. How do you have a great start to your lesson? You finish your previous lesson on time. That's how you have a great start to the next lesson. So you make sure you use the last 10 minutes of your lesson really well. Um, you're very precise in how you pack away. Ladies and gents, at my signal, 3 to one tracking me, please. They're tracking me. They're all looking at me. I need 100% undivided attention. Thank you very much. At my signal, ladies and gents, we're going to pack away the books. This is how we pack away the books. Now, imagine if you've got this precision in every teacher across a, a five, six, seven period day. Everything's super fast. Everything's super slick. Thank you very much, ladies and gents. At my signal, pack the books along to the end. Please back to a secret slant. I'm going to count up. Go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Come on. Eight, nine, ten. Oh, smart. Fantastic. Spot on, just what I wanted. Brilliant. I'm going to go through the merits, demerits, who got the golden ticket today, who really shone today. You go through all that. You, you know, because you're timing it. You're timing it. You know how, once you're into your rhythm, how long it takes you to do all this well. And you're going to say, right, ladies and gents, at my signal, we're all going to stand. We're going to have our chairs under. You may put your coats on, bags on, pack everything away. And as they do that, I'll be chanting. That's what I've always historically done. You could do a bit of Q&A, but chanting works really, really well. They'll be chanting with masks on now, but chanting works really well. That means every second counts. So, you know, best will in the world, it probably takes kids 35 seconds to stand up, put their chair under, get their stuff in their bag. You know, some classes are a little bit tossier than others. But um, So they're chanting, they're going, uh, I'll start them off. I met a traveller from an antique land, and they go after me. I met a traveller from an antique land who said, two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Or it might be 7, 14, 14, 21, 21, 28, 28, 35. Or it might be, yesterday, hier, I went, Shuzeli, to the cinema, au cinema, with my mates, avec mes copains. It can be anything. Everyone packing their bags, they're packing their bags. Not a single second is wasted. And there's momentum and there's energy and there's joy because... I'm doing stuff I know they know. So I'm just revisiting, recycling, retrieving. So they're leaving the lesson feel a positive. 
I know we're seconds away from the bell. Thanks very much, ladies and gents. An absolute pleasure. Enjoyed it. Now, can I just remind you, ladies and gents, before you go to your next lesson, this is how we walk in corridors, yeah? Single file, shoulder against the wall, eye front. Now, any adult you come across, I want you to make sure, nice big voice, good projection, good eye contact. Morning, miss. Morning, sir. How are you today? It's really important, right, because it makes us feel good. And if you want to, you can call the teacher by name. That's quite nice as well, because something's getting called sir. It's nice, but it's nice to be called Mr. Smith as well. Thank you very much. There you go. So I'm reminding them of that. So those last 10 minutes are super... It, it, the bell goes, everyone's behind their chairs, and they can... I'm open, the door's open, I can see the corridor's clear, and I um, ferry the kids out of the room, I ferry them partway down the corridor. Because I finished on time, I'm ready for my next class arriving. My next class arriving, they're coming in, I get them in, all the equipment's coming out, we're doing chanting again, we'll continue that chanting until everybody's got their stuff out. Three, two, one, see the slam, please, thank you very much, and then you're into it. So I'm on autopilot. I need all teachers to be on autopilot. Mm -hmm. What's autopilot? It's what you do when you're not really thinking. I don't want you to be still thinking about how do I get them in a room? How do I unpack the, the equipment? How do I pass out the books? How do I get their attention? How do I do Q&A? How do I get them to write the date? How do I end the lesson? We shouldn't have to think about that. We should have that slick, 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 slick. And if that's consistent across a school, then, you know, again, it builds and builds and builds so it becomes so much more consistent, so much easier for teachers, so much easier for the kids. So all you really have to think about is, right, okay, how can I become a better English teacher, maths teacher, French teacher? What are the things that they find hard in my subject and why? That's where we should be devoting our energy. That's where I talk about 80-20. That's where our big, big high impact results will come from, thinking about the pedagogy as it relates to our specific subjects and the kids uh, that we teach. But all the rest of it, I'm going to say the head needs to have a good head on his shoulders and know what good teaching is and go, right, we're going to find a way to make this consistent. I don't want you to lose your personality. Of course, you, you couldn't if you tried. You'd be dreadful of being somebody else. Be yourself, but I do need you to be unambiguously, incontrovertibly, very, very obviously a charter teacher, a Michaela teacher, an HMS teacher. Right, and, and imagine in that you're mentioning about um, kind of focusing entirely on improving your practice and pedagogy. And if you can get the routines right, and imagine you'll just all of a sudden have so much more time within a lesson. And that's it. That's exactly it. And that's why also you bring towards those high frequency errors. How many, you know, remember, I've taught thousands and thousands and thousands of teachers. And how many times have I met teachers, language teachers in particular? Oh, you know, with year nine, and we do this, and they always get it wrong. I've been teaching 20 years. And to be honest, those kids, I think they're getting worse, not better. I'm going to go right up and take a step back and think, okay, so if I've taught these kids for years and years, all these different kids, thousands of kids over decades, and the kids are still getting it wrong, and they're different kids, I need to regroup, rethink, hmm. What can I change? Because I'm the common denominator there. I'm doing the best I can at the moment. I think I'm doing the best I can, but actually there's something else you can do. And that's where I, when I do my CPD, I show people other strategies um, to run towards the high frequency areas. Buys you so much time. Kids feel clever. It's not frustrating for you. But, you know, sometimes you know, bang your head against the wall thinking, bloody hell, why doesn't the kid get this? It's so obvious. But you've been teaching it for years, for six hours, seven hours a day. It's really obvious to you, but it's not obvious to him. Sometimes we have to rethink where we're coming from. Definitely. And, and I like that notion of, of chasing and, and running towards that high frequency errors. Because you mentioned earlier on that 
if you do that and, and a lot of the examples you've given from the, the classroom the kids are feeling a lot of success with of that success comes motivation to learn more and, and of course with that enjoyment what's your subject yeah i teach you're, physical education buddy right so you're pt right so i bet you as a little kid were good at one sport because you were good at one sport you tried another sport tried another sport and i bet if somebody said to you you fancy trying this sport you'd go oh, i'll have a go i'm a, I'm a french teacher I can't kick a ball. I can't catch anything. So, you know, I'm one of those people, people when you're walking on the beach and somebody's playing like ping pong or something on the beach, I'm like, oh, shit, I hope the ball doesn't come near me. Yeah? I'm frightened of that. Somebody asked me, do you fancy learning another language? I go, oh, I'm good. We like stuff we're good at. So as the teacher, we have to think, okay, how can I make them feel, I always say accomplished. I don't want to say clever, because clever is a strange word, but they, essentially they probably do feel clever, but I want them to leave after 60 minutes thinking, Whoa, that teacher doesn't waste our time. That's important. It, cer- it certainly is. Um, that brings us to the to the end of, of our interview section. So we're going to close, close it off there. Thanks so much for the, the insights into that. We're going to move on to what I call my quick fire questions, which are, are three kind of loaded questions where I, I want my guests to, to shoot from the hip, speak from the heart on what they, what they think on pretty big questions in education. But before we do that, can you please... Um, direct listeners to where they can find out more about you and, and contact you to, to discuss yeah, of course. listen um, go on Twitter it's Barry Smith 79 uh, I think that's right Barry Smith 79 it's, it's my house number it was my house number in Cardiff okay when I used to live in Cardiff I may go back actually but it was my house number in Cardiff um, it's not the year I was born I'd be looking incredibly rough I say that joke all the time but it's very true um, yeah Barry Smith 79 on Twitter that's the easiest way to find me DM me, you know, I, I speak to a lot of people. Every weekend I end up having a few phone calls from SLT in different places or language teachers very often or other teachers I'll be able to police. Um, and next year I'll maybe do a bit of CPD. I'm just weighing up some options. So, yeah, DM me. Happy to do that. Happy to have a little chat with people. Brilliant. If, and if you, you enjoyed listening to, to what Barry has to, has to say there, please do get in touch with them and, and, and get them in to, to help you. I'd, I'd highly recommend it. So we're now on to the quick fire question. Three questions. Um, whatever comes to mind for you. Um, are you ready? I'm ready. I was born ready. Come on. <laughs> love that. Love that. Just the, the mindset of, of those from the Northeast. <laughs> um, <laughs> question number one is what makes great teaching for you? So what does good teaching look like for you? Every second counts. I talk about it all the time. Every second counts. You need to know your subject well. You need to know how to explain your subject well. Uh, you do need to know the exam spec really well because I need to get those kids exam results. It's for them more than for me. Um, you need to be able to teach in such a way that you're precise and concise. Uh, you cut to the chase. Your definitions and explanations are very, very unambiguous. I'll go back to that again. And yeah, you teach in such a way the kids leave feeling clever. There you go. Right. Thank you so much. Um, Question two is, what one thing would you prioritise to bring about great teaching in every classroom? Good behaviour. Really nice, genuine mutual respect. Um, what I talk about, that relaxed school. I want a school culture where... I remember when I used to be, uh, be at Michaela and, and we, 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 we'd walk the streets at the end of the day making sure the kids were safe and home and they were going straight home, yeah? And, and I'd be in the street chatting to the kids and having such banter. It was lovely. And members of the public would look, and, well, that's weird. Those kids and that teacher, they, they get on really well. That's not normal. 
Well, actually, it should be normal. I want a school where there's that. How are you? So, oh, well, thanks. How are you? No surliness, no curl lips, no snarling. I'm your boss. I think controversial, but I'm the kindest boss you've ever had. And that lovely relationship. Right, thank you. It sums up a lot of what, what, was, what was spoken about today. And then it comes to a final question. Um, if you could change this one thing in education, what would that be? Oh, God, where do you begin? Uh, there's so many things in education I would change. Uh, I think we have to... We have to... It's a tough one. It really is a tough one. Though. There's so much that's wrong, I think. I think we have to be very clear that there is a hierarchical relationship, that adults are adults and children are children, and that it's the adult's job to protect children from themselves. Children, because they're children, will do silly things if adults aren't responsible. Like being a good parent. Good parents protect kids from their silliness and the mistakes they're going to make. Good teachers are there. And they should have the adult authority to make sure the kids are on the straight and narrow. And, you know, at the beginning, what we tell them to do and we make them work hard and they go, oh, they don't like working hard. But, you know, with sport, you work at something and you don't want to do that work and you don't want to do that training. You don't want to do that practice. But if you keep going, there comes a point you go, well, this is working. I feel really good. And that's what education should be. It should be teachers with the confidence to go, oh, I'm going to be demanding of you, right? I'm only a slave. We're a team. I'm the team captain. But we're going to work through this, right? You won't like me some days because I'm going to make you work really hard. But you'll get there. I've got faith in you. I know you can do it. And the kids will have faith in themselves. But you've got to climb that mountain a bit. You've got to really go for it before you have that sense of self-worth. You don't get self-worth by giving up. And kids need to be taught that. Instead of that... that um notion of working hard is definitely something we need to instill in our young people and, and I know in, in sport that if I wanted to improve to, that I need to work incredibly hard so thanks so much for, for making that analogy really really relevant to, to me and my fellow fellow PE teaching colleagues um, that and I would also say that some of the best teachers I've ever worked with have been PE teachers I used to poo poo PE teachers and go well it's not a proper subject I was wrong I was wrong I was wrong I was wrong um some of the best teachers I've ever worked with, I, I, I always say, if you want a job done, I'll go and find a PA teacher. Because for me, they've got, I don't know whether it's the, the energy or the competitiveness, but I, I, work, I work with some brilliant PA teachers. Right. Here, here, Barry. I, I, it could very well much be the competitiveness, but I totally agree. If you want a job done, why not ask a PE teacher? So thank you. Um, that brings us to the end, Barry. So um, all that's left is for me to thank you so, so much for giving up your time on this Saturday morning to speak with me for the Becoming Educated podcast. I've thoroughly enjoyed speaking to you and listening to you. Um, thank you so much. Thank you very much, John. Absolute pleasure. Right back at you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Becoming Educated. As ever, I would be delighted to hear your thoughts and you can contact me via Twitter at DNLeslie or via email. So that you don't miss out, I urge you to subscribe to the podcast. And while I have your attention, why not submit a review of the podcast wherever you get yours from so that many, many others can access Becoming Educated. I'll be back next week with another episode of Becoming Educated and I do hope to see you there.